You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikena Okeke of the Father's Church. Please join Pastor Ikena Okeke and be blessed. If you'll come with me to Exodus 13, we looked at the beginning of the year where the Lord spoke to us. It says, this month shall be the beginning of months for you. And we'll learn that it is not the calendar figure or date that makes it a new year. It is the things that happen. And we trust that marvelous things are happening in us in Jesus' name. We trust that people's minds are being transformed. Okay, that the word of God is changing us, is transforming us, is making us into what God wants us to be. So we indeed believe that 2020 is going to be the beginning of decades for us. Marvelous seasons, wonderful seasons in the name of Jesus Christ. In Exodus thirteen seventeen, if you come with me, I'll read. It says, then it came to pass, from verse 17, then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in oddly ranks out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had placed the children of Israel under solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. So they took their journey from Sukkot and camped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' name. Okay, we'll stop here, but we're going to continue in chapter 14 as we go on. Notice what is said to us in verse 17 here. It says, it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go. Now, we understand, you know, those who are Bible scholars understand that Pharaoh is a representative or is a, uh, a type of the devil. And that the children of Israel in bondage or under bondage in Egypt is like the man who is not yet born again. Praise the Lord. So we understand that when we are born again, we are taken away from what? The bondage of Pharaoh. We are set free from that whole system where we are toiling and we are, you know, sweating and all of that without a future under Pharaoh. Okay, so in this account, the Bible says when Pharaoh had let the people go. So we are seeing that after a man, a woman, after a people get born again, are set free from the hold and the clutches of Satan, it does not end there. It begins to be a journey. And that is why the Bible makes us understand that unless you are born again, you will not what? See the kingdom. Okay? Unless you are born of water and of the spirit, you will not enter. Because the spiritual things don't mean like we learned on Wednesday. They don't mean spooky. They don't mean things that are eerie. It's a real world, even though it is spiritual. I think it's important we understand that. The fact that it's spiritual does not mean it's unreal. It is as real, in fact, not as real. It is more real than the physical. Praise the Lord. So it's a very real world. Our Lord Jesus says to Nicodemus, unless a man be born again, he cannot see. There is actually a kingdom to see. Okay? Unless a man be born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter. It means there is actually a kingdom to enter. We don't just feel into it. Praise the Lord. We don't feel it. There is a real kingdom. There is a genuine kingdom. Okay? Like her sister, you know, she said in her testament that with all that was happening, there was no fear. She knew God was in control. You know why? Because God was with her. Praise the Lord. God was with her. God was with her. Okay, the Bible tells us of Joseph, he was a servant in Potiphar's house. And what was happening? God was with him. He was in the prison. And what was happening? God was with him. Daniel was what? In the lions there. And what was happening? God was with him. So it's a real world superior to the physical world. So in this account now, we're told Pharaoh had let the people go. 
Okay, they were free from Egypt. But that was not the end. That was not the conclusion of the whole thing. If anything, it was the beginning. Because after Pharaoh, when they were under bondage in Pharaoh, they didn't need leading. Because the devil of Pharaoh determined their schedule, determined whatever happened to them. But the moment freedom came, the moment the salvation came, they now needed to be guided into what God brought them out for. Praise the Lord. So I'm saved for a purpose. The Bible says when God looks at you and I, he does not do a guesswork. He said there, is, or there are good works which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in it, that I should walk in it. Praise the Lord. So any saved person here, anybody that is born again here, it means that God has an assignment or something that he has already prepared for you to walk in. Praise the Lord. He has a destination for you. For the nation of Israel, there was a physical destination, which was Canaan, which God wanted to take them to. So when they came out from Egypt, something began to happen there. We see them telling us a bit about what God was thinking and how God was thinking. And if you look, read the further part of that verse, it says that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near Praise the Lord. You see, we are saying that faith helps us to understand the way things happen. So some of us or most of us may be on a path now. We are born again. But the direction, the road we are traveling on does not look like what we would have chosen by ourselves. He said God did not lead them by the way of the Philistines even though it was what? So if you wanted to go to a place, would you take the farthest distance? Would you take the most inconvenient one? You wouldn't do that. And the same way for you and I, as we work with God, we see some things and we say, no, it could be better this way. Every one of us, if we had a choice, we would want every prayer of ours to be answered when? Yesterday. You see, yesterday. The same way a child that is hungry and probably likes yam would not want yam to be cooked. Am I right? If a child is hungry and this child likes yam, and the child sees yam caught, what would the child do? The child would say, give me yam, let me eat. Why? Because I am hungry. Now, the process of taking that yam that the child wants and putting it in water and boiling it. And then finally, when the yam is done, the child is rushing for it. Say, no, wait for it to cool. You see, the child feels you're, you're just mean. What a mean mother you are. You see, why? But the child does not understand cookery things, isn't it? Does not understand the technology of kitchen. The same way as born-again Christians, many things that occur in our lives and we walk with God, we look at it from our perspective because we think that we know so much. We think that we know the best way. So we're told here, God did not lead them that way, even though it was near. They had mercy on us. It's not everywhere that God explains himself. Because it says we should trust him. But they told us why here. Read it for me. Let's, let me hear you. It said, for God said, let's read together. Lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. This is such a loaded passage. See something else that is happening here. The Bible is saying here, God, who knows the end from the beginning. You know God doesn't really go. We use the word God goes or God came. You see, for language and for communication. Because in him do all things what? Consist. So he can go. Can this auditorium go to the back? The back is in the auditorium, isn't it? The altar is in the auditorium. The window is in the auditorium. Everything is in God. So God really doesn't go. Now the same thing here. God who sees the end from the beginning had seen something there already. And that's why he would not lead them that way. So the Bible says God knew that there would be something in their future. And what was that? It said there would be some war that they will have to fight in their future. And that's why God did not want to lead them that way. So someone came to church asking a question. But God, why? God is saying to tell you today that he knows that there is something you will see there. Something there that you will not be able to stand up to. So in his love and in his mercy for you, being a good father will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. You think where you are now is a temptation. But he knows you can bear this temptation. But he knows the other that one you can bear. 
Are you getting? So God is giving us an you know insight into his mind. So the Bible tells us the spiritual man, you see, he's like the wind. It's not everything that he does that can be explained with one, two, three, four. He does some things and passes through things that are unexplainable. That's why when as men we try to explain God, we always fall into error. Because how can you explain what you don't know the beginning? How can I speak English not knowing alphabet? Is it possible for a man to learn a language without knowing the alphabet? You have to know the basics. So God began to say here, I don't want you to go through that direction. Because if you go through that direction, you're going to see something you can't handle. But that very passage is so loaded because something else is very important there. It says, let the people do what? Change their minds. I want you to pick this thing. It's very important. If that's all we do today. It says, let the people change their minds when they see what? When I saw this, I said to the Lord, "Ah, but you are God. Praise the Lord. Are you not God? Keep them from changing their minds. He said, no, I can't keep you from changing your minds. You have to make your judgment. If I could keep you from changing your mind, then there will be no basis for faith. The Bible says, Abraham believed God and he was accounted him for what? Righteousness. If God could compel Abraham to believe him, then righteousness would be universal. Is someone getting what I'm saying? It means that, I wish you could touch your mind. Okay, just touch your heart. Say, I have something in here that I alone have control over. Yes. And God can't intervene. Because I said, Lord, okay, if they see war, uh, I mean, notice in that verse, God didn't say, lest they see war and I'm not able to deliver them. Is that what he said? Lest they meet some enemies that will be too strong for me. Is that what he said? No. You see, on God's side, it is what? The Bible says the promises of God are what? They are yes and they are what? Amen. We learned here last day that on God's part, everything is already done. Just like we started saying today, God is finished. The solution of Nigeria is with God. The Bible says every knee shall bow. We can actually say every knee is bowing. They are not bowing now, but sometime, soon and very soon, what? Every knee shall bow. You know, this is our Lord Jesus Christ that some people are calling names and making, you know, derogatory movies about. All those people shall yet worship him. But the only thing is that they will not worship him where we are worshiping him. The name of Jesus will be feared in heaven, in heaven with delight, in hell with terror. I mean, there is no controversy. It's just a question of unfolding time. I was telling my daughter the other day, we were watching a program. And I was telling her that the difference between Nigeria and um, a lot of the developed world is that in the developed world, you can commit crime, you can do a lot of terrible things. But you can be sure that the long or short, depending on how long it takes, the arm of the Lord will do what? Will catch up with you. And you'll be dealt with. Okay? So we see persons that have done things for 50 years. You know? And then they're caught and they they pay for it. So it is on record and it's in the mind of everybody there who goes into crime that they're going to pay. So they prepare. But the problem with our part is that when you commit crime in Nigeria, in our system... That crime gives you a rank and you can commit more. And then it gives you a rank and you can commit more. So you keep going high. So if you start as, um, as maybe a petty thief, you can grow into 419. Then from 419, you can make enough money and get into politics. Everybody knows you're petty thief. Everybody knows you're 419. Then you get into politics yeah, and you're killing people. You're doing all kinds. Then you become more powerful. So they say this guy now is a don. As you become more powerful, you get more power and you commit more crime. So we have a system that rewards iniquity and punishes right. But you see there, they do bad things, but they are caught. And they pay the price. Okay? That's why amongst us, those that are righteous, you must be bold and courageous. There is no provision. As long as Christians in Nigeria or the right people are afraid of death, That's one of the things you must settle. As long as the righteous are afraid of dying, we cannot make progress. Because we are told here they will see war. When they see war, they change their mind. God didn't say when they see war, I can't fight for them. Praise the Lord, somebody. We didn't hear the voice of God telling Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I will wait for you in the fire. Is that in your own Bible? That when Nebuchadnezzar threatened, 
God said to them, don't worry, enter the fires. No, they didn't know what God would do. So them had settled the fear of death. The Bible says they overcame by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimonies, and did not love their life. Many Christians don't know that part of the scripture. You know, sometimes people think Pastor Ikenna likes death. I don't like death, but I buried people, young and old. And when you bury them, you know that there is nothing different between you and them. Death is reality. Praise the Lord. But the sting of death has been taken away. Like her sister said, whether I go, I remain. Christ, I'm in Christ. The Bible says, I've already been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, what? My living is nevertheless. It's not it. At the cross, it was settled. Whether I continue here or I continue there, it's already settled. The best has been done. That's the problem we have in Nigeria. Too many people are afraid of death. Too many people are afraid of paying the price. A place where nobody wants to pay the price. You will continue to live under such wicked systems. A state that is backed up by the federal government and together with the federal government goes into negotiation with bandits. And you see the governor smiling. You see the uh, commissioner of police smiling. And they're taking pictures with bandits with AK-47. And the military men are with AK-47. The bandits, are they keeping to the promise? How can bandits keep the promise? Where are they going to get the character of faithfulness from? But you see, the man is not looking at solving the problem. He's looking at maintaining his position as governor and maintaining the things he's earning until people rise up that will say, if I perish, I perish. Nigeria won't change. We have a lot of people in positions that God is expecting or put there to do, bring transformation. But these people are too concerned about loss. You see, every human being must know that the farmer loses his seed every time he sows. The farmer that does not want to take the risk of losing his seed will never get a harvest. You know what it means to take food from your barn, from your store, and then go and bury it in the ground and go home. No watchman, no watch night. What happens if a flood comes? What happens if rain doesn't fall? What happens if Australian bushfire comes? What happens? But you see, if you don't do that, your generation will perish. We have nobody paying price. I was reading the interview of some, you know, um, big man of God. And they asked him about the president. And he was just being political. I know this man in his house is lamenting. Praise the Lord. So it's one thing that we must settle. How did I get into that? Okay, I said Nigeria and... Um, the developed world. That's why their system is, there are people that, they, they have policemen that are ready to die, but let them catch the criminal. Here we have policemen that are ready to retire. Let them join with the criminal. But you don't blame him. It's not just the police. It's everywhere. We have lawyers that will do anything to cite, you know, we, we, we have a, a state now that has an injunction against EFCC from investigating it perpetually. What have they said in that state? They have said in that state, Illegality is legal. Isn't it? So God says to them, He said, Let's perhaps these people change their minds when they see war. He didn't say, Let's God all of a sudden find out He can help them. That is never an issue. What am I saying, brothers and sisters? There is no circumstance, there is no situation, there is no death that God can bring you out from. There is no trap God cannot bring you out from. The fire that will burn the person God has said will live has not been created. He says, no weapon formed against you, what? Shall prosper. It's not possible. He says, I'm he who created the blacksmith that forms the coal in the fire. That's the background to that statement. So he says, that blacksmith that I created, whatever he creates, cannot work against what I want. I'm the originator. I'm alpha. Praise the Lord. So he says, let they see what? And change their minds. It says to you and I here, what we are deciding with our minds is very critical. Some people get into marriage and, you know, it doesn't happen in Nigeria. But there's an agreement for getting out. I heard of a man who built a house, you know, I think his um, apostle that told me, I don't know. He said the man built a house in the village and the day the people came for dedication of the house, they realized the man didn't put bathroom. No restroom in the house. Okay. So maybe throughout the time he was building, he never used the restroom. But what I'm trying to say is this. Anything you put, facility you put, you will use it. So if you're getting into marriage and you already signed a plan to get, you know, what will happen when you're separated, you're going to use it. The man who built a house without restroom is better than you. He made no provision. He said this house, 
there will be no dirty thing in this house. Anytime he wants to use the bathroom, he must be at somebody else's house. In this house, it's only kitchen, sitting room. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay, but what am I saying? The mind is important. The mind is a builder. That's why the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart. So what? So is his neighbor. As a man thinketh. The mind is strong. Every day you come to church, every day you do whatever you do, it's a campaign for your mind, for you to choose. Because as we are all seated here, we are in some sort created in the image of God, which in this sense we can say we are God. And whatever we decide, part of the things we may look at you know, in the coming weeks, is where God said these people, they are one. Whatever they propose to do, he says what? It cannot be withheld from them. What have you proposed to do, sir? Have you proposed to live this life, Christian life, victoriously? Or have you proposed to just be, you know, a coming, go out, you know, just a carefree Christian? What is your plan for Christian? What is your plan for your family? What is your plan for your marriage? What is your plan for your finances? What is your plan? I mean, what are you looking for? What are you looking to? As a man thinketh, do you look at yourself and say, I will solve problems? Do you look at yourself and say, I'll be an answer? Stories of people everywhere saying all these Christians that are useless, all these pastors. That are what are you saying you will be? Is someone getting what I'm saying? Praise the Lord. He said, lest they change their mind. God cannot change your mind. Your mind is yours to make up. Joshua said to them, I said before you what? Life and blessing, death and cause. He said, what? Choose. I can't choose for you. God is saying something here. Some of us are facing situations and already we have determined we cannot win. We cannot have victory. This situation cannot change. And God is saying, what can I do? Where he does something, he sends preachers to you. Praise the Lord. He sends the word to you, the word of faith. The Bible says faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by what? So he expects that as the word comes to you, faith will rise and then you will change your mind. I pray somebody's mind will be changed today. In the name of Jesus. Whatever it is. Even Nigeria. Let your mind change. A nation can be born in one day. I normally come out very early. You know. Sunday mornings. And the road was very busy. You know. When I saw the road. It was very unusually busy. I don't know if anybody noticed. It was very busy. Unusually. Seeing cars everywhere. Okay. So. I don't normally check my phones. And I just say let me check in case something has happened. Because I'm expectant. Now, those who understand will understand. Don't worry. You will catch it when you listen to the message. Praise God. I'm expectant. No, it doesn't matter how bad the country goes. Listen to me. The issues of Nigeria are beyond, you know, some cabals and some people there. It's about souls. We're over 200 million people, isn't it? And the gospel is here. The truth of God's word is here. God wants to save people. And the devil doesn't want some people to be saved. And the devil wants some that are saved to backslide. So it's about so. So I'm jealous that God will save sultans, save our marjories, you know, save the cabal, save all of them. Those who will not agree to be saved. Sorry. Praise the Lord. You change your mind. Things can change in a moment. Praise the Lord. So it says, lest they see war, God can win the world. But can two walk together unless they be what? Agreed. I want you to understand something. That's why I'm hammering on this. Whatever thing you're facing today is not a problem for God. For with God, nothing shall be what? Impossible. For with God, all things are what? With God. With God. God wants to walk with you. God wants you to say, come and walk with me. Some of us, the doctors have said this is the situation. And you've agreed with the doctors that there is no way out. But God is a healer. The Bible says, with his stripes you were what? Healed. He says, is anyone sick amongst you? What should he do? He said, let the person pass and faint. No, he said, let him what? Send for the elders. If you can't handle it personally, you know where you are. You send for your pastor. Send for your HOD. And the Bible says, the prayer of faith will heal the sick. And if it's committed any sins, what? It shall be forgiven. There is provision. Whether you're taking of the provision is secondary now. Praise the Lord. So God has it covered. Amen. So he gave us the background and said, this is why. So verse 18 now says, so God led the people around by way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. 
And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. So this is, 17 gave us a background as to the direction they began to go. And they took the bones of Joseph and they went. And verse 21 says, God made for them a pillar of cloud to lead them by night. And a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. He didn't take it away from them. He led them. Now let's go to chapter 14 and we'll jump a few places and we'll look, come closely. From verse 1 of 14 says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they turn and come before Hahiroth, between Migdor and the sea, opposite Baal Zephon. You shall come before it by the sea, for Pharaoh will serve the children of Israel. They are bewildered by the land, the wilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them. And I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Verse 5. Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled. And the heart of Pharaoh and his servants were stunned against the people and they said, Why have we done this? Why that we let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Also he took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with the captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he pursued the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with boldness. Verse 9. So the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and the chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them camping by the sea beside Pihahirod, before Baal-Zehan. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes. And behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us, so with us, to bring us out of Egypt? Can you see what is going on here? They are regretting their deliverance. They are mourning their deliverance. They went on and says, Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. Now, if you look at verse 10, 11, and 12 together, let's deal with it before we move on. See something that is happening here. The change in direction of what begins to happen here is that the Bible says the children of Israel lifted their eyes and behold, they did what? They saw the Egyptians march after them. Okay, we've dealt on the mind, what goes on in the mind. Now, the mind has gates. Praise the Lord. The mind has what? The mind has access. Now, if you remember, where these people were camping was the exact place God told them to camp. They were to camp in Pi Hahirod before Baal Zephon, isn't it? That's in verse 2. That's where they were in verse 9. But even though they were where God asked them to stay, they now saw something else. And the Bible says they looked, they lifted up their eyes and beheld it. When they saw the armies of Pharaoh, all of a sudden something happened to them. All the news, all the wonderful things, all the victorious things, all the marvelous things that God had done to show his supremacy over Pharaoh disappeared from their heads. And this became their judgment. They said, uh-huh, we have all come here to be what? To be killed. But you imagine now, these are the same people you went like a land and say, give me what? Your S-class. Give me your what? Landed property. Give me your investments. Give me your silver. Give me your gold. Isn't it? And they gave it to you. These are the same people that begged you to go because God jumped your house and slew their firstborns. These are the same people. But all of a sudden, they become so terrifying to you that you rebel against Moses and against God. What is he saying to us here? Be careful what you meditate on. What am I saying? Be careful what you do. Be careful what you meditate on. Uh, God spoke to Joshua and said to him what? This book of the law. Shall not what? Depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it what? Day and night. As a Christian, no matter the level of your faith, can I beg you to determine this year to read at least minimum the whole New Testament? 
Not to do it as an assignment. To read it. So that you can know what God is saying to you. Praise the Lord. You see, these people saw all of a sudden only Pharaoh. And they lost memory of what God was doing. And they became afraid. They became worried. And they started to attack Moses. And they said to Moses, we told you we wanted to remain under bondage. How many of us have felt here that their problems are because they are born again? Now, you will not say that directly. Let me tell you the way you say it. If I were not born again, eh? If not, that pastor will ask me, eh? Praise the Lord. You're doing that business and it gets to a point where there is a hitch. And I'm saying do this. But the Spirit of God says, don't do it. And because of that, you suffer loss. And then somebody is insulting you because of ordinary what? Toyota Corolla. Whereas, if you close that particular deal, it's G-Wagon. So, you look at it and you say... If I were in Egypt. But you see, all of that is because they lost sight of something. They lost sight of God who had begun. The Bible says, he that has begun what? A what? A trial work. A good work in you. He said he will be faithful to perform it until the day of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Some will say, we'll be faithful to complete it. The Christian must continue to remind himself, that's what I do, that's one of my secrets. I remind myself that salvation is the best thing that has happened to me. If you know me, you know that already. It's the best thing. So there's nothing on the journey that can make me trace any, have any ill feeling, any regret. Anything that will make me feel, oh, if I were not born again. No, I am best because I'm born again. Praise the Lord. It's the greatest thing that could ever happen to a man. At least for me. I know everything about my life is best because of that salvation that happened many years ago. And if there's something that is looking as if it's not good because of it, then that thing is not good. For God commended his love towards me. Not that he made me win the contract. But that while I was yet a sinner, what happened? He sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for me. That is the demonstration of God's love for me. And anything on the journey that does not align with that is not good. For the Bible says, no good what? Gift will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. So if it is withheld from me, it is not good. I've had experience in this no good thing. I've shared with many of them, but I'll share one or two with us today. Many years ago, I was a pastor. I know I like cars. So I was okay, you know, just okay with what I had. And then a member of the church who was, you know, entering into some large amount of money came to me and started discussing with me which color and brand of car I would like. Which pastor won't be happy, you know? So I started those days, this Cotonou we used to get cars from. So I already started making, you know, choices. And he was asking me which color in particular. I was making all of that. And, you know, we just kept on and on and on. You know how these things are. The promises that I made to the pastor are like promissory notes backed by the village uh, community bank. If it's not paid, there's nothing you can do. You have to keep smiling. So the story went on and I never saw the guy. But he started buying his own cars. You know, and just would see me and pass. No discussion on the cars. While I was still wondering what was going on, the next thing I heard was that police came. And you know what the police came to do? Police came to recover one unit air conditioner. That this same person gave to the church. Luckily, he didn't give to Pastor Iken. So, this person has stolen 20 million from some, I mean, did a deal. Like the way you know Nigerians won't call it stealing. Uh-huh. So, he did a deal of about 20 million naira then. That dollar must have been about 80 something or 90 something naira then. Did a deal of about 20 million. And when police caught him and said, What did you do with the money? He said he gave to church. What did he give to church? One AC. That time AC was 20,000 brand new. So for 20,000 Naira air conditioner, police came to meet Pastor Iken. Luckily, the AC was on the wall of the church. When they came, I said, that's it there. <laughs> I said, that's it. Bring it down. We haven't even used it. Bring it down. Let him carry. It's not in my house. It's we, my own, the one I bought is there as well. Police, they took the AC. Imagine if I was driving a Lexus, the call I wanted, eh? And they stopped me and said, Oga, you won't be hearing this story now. You would have read it from the news. Pastor Conives. You see, no good thing will leave with hold from those who were, who, 
I've learned by experience. Many people have come to say to me, Pastor, I will do this. If you ask anybody here, I don't follow because I know that the one that is not good, God won't let it come to me. Do you understand? You see, when God has his hand on you, you must learn to embrace his will. Whatever he lets come to you, know that that is good enough for you. Whatever he keeps from you, know that that is not good for you. He is a good father. You see, these are some of the backgrounds the Christian must settle. Anybody that makes you imagine that you can interpret things based on the outcome. No, you interpret things based on the motive. That's why the Bible will say to us, no good, that, sorry, no good. He said, every good and perfect gift comes from what? The father of lies, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Let me break that scripture for you there. It says, every good and perfect gift comes from the father of lies. You know, we use that scripture insultingly because when we judge something is good, we say it came from God. No, that scripture is saying that whatever comes from God is good. The origin determines the goodness. I tell you another experience. You know, there was a time, you know, another car one also. I was in need of a car and a friend who was a member of the church said, okay, come and take my car. And, you know, it was a Mercedes, nice car and everything. I drove the car to the house. It was a, a Friday or so. Saturday, I was trying to prepare for service, just, you know, just praying and all of that. It was as though the network was not working. No communication. You know, it was as though heaven had shifted. It was as though earth had shifted. There was no communication. I was there. I was wondering. I was checking. Ah. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Then I remembered the car. I got up, went, started the car, drove it back to the person's house, said, God bless you. The Lord reward you for your generous gift. And I don't know, I think he dropped me home. And I continued with my relationship with God. It was a very beautiful car. But you see, unless it comes from above, from the Father, then it's not good. The details I may never be able to explain. Praise the Lord, somebody. So we say that to settle that as believers, as spiritual people, we must not walk like the Gentiles. That's part of what we have to learn this year. We are different. We are very peculiar people. Just the same way some drugs that will work for somebody that his blood group is AS and will be, you know, almost uh, destructive for somebody whose blood group is ASS. The same way it is with things. You can't say because this thing works here, it works here. You're a different person. But we're learning now in Sunday school, isn't it? A peculiar people. You're different. You're completely different. Praise the Lord, somebody. Okay, so the people started complaining. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. He says, stand still. I'm in verse 13. And do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. Somebody can say amen to that. Okay, so in essence, if I had a theme, but it may not, you know, tie up really. I don't know how they do these things and tie to. But it's actually do not fear. Praise the Lord. Do not fear. Moses said to them what? Do not be afraid. He says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. In 14, he says, the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Now, 15, God speaks to Moses and says to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to do what? To go forward. To go forward. You see, as, as God's children, as people of God, we, we must endeavor to come to the place where we have complete trust, complete confidence, complete reliance in God. Not just in God, but the other part is where that God knows what he's doing. Praise the Lord. That he does what? He knows what he's doing. You see, a lot of us have some experience. A lot of us, we can call ourselves spiritually mature. Or we can call ourselves, um, you know, intellectually exposed and all of that. But you see, in all that we get to know, in all experiences that we may be able to, you know, put together, it will never come up to the place where we can second guess God, where we can predict God. It will never come. It's not possible. The day it happens, faith will not be a necessity. And that will not be on this side of eternity. As long as we're here, faith is necessary. You know why? Because God is too deep. The Bible says his ways are what? Past finding out. Inscrutable. Unsearchable. That is the God we serve. Now we worship him and we call those names. But to remind ourselves that that is God is an exercise on its own. 
So can somebody help me briefly this moment now? Tell himself, God knows what he's doing. Concerning the cries that you're crying. These children of Israel, we are crying. And God said to Moses, why are they crying to me? You know what it means for a child to be crying? And the mother says, why are you crying? There are two ways she can ask that question. The mother can ask, why are you crying? To know so that they can solve the problem. And that's the human level. But even the same human level, there are sometimes the child is crying. Because the mother knows why the child is crying. In the case of the yam that they are waiting to cool down, isn't it? The mother will now say to the child, well, why are you crying? Which means what? Why are you crying? The yam is done. It's about to cool down so you eat. Now, when God was saying to Israel here, he was saying through Moses to them, why are you crying? He was saying, is there a problem here? Praise the Lord. God was saying, I can't see a problem. I, I, can't, I can't see what is making you cry. The children of Israel were seeing Pharaoh and his army is behind him. Now, you must understand the situation so you see what is going on here. Before them was the Red Sea. They didn't have boats. They didn't swim. Beside them was the army of Pharaoh. On one side were some high mountains. On the other side were some other high mountains. So they were actually hedged in. But you see, when they came to that position, remember, God had told us, he analyzed all and said he led them. Praise the Lord. He did what? He led them. So they are where God led them to. So if you and I are where God has what? Leaded us. Can we use that word for emphasis? <laughs> if we are where God has what? Okay, if we are where God had led us. <laughs> if we are where God has what? Set us up in. Heaven will be asking, why are you what? Cry. Because when you cry, you give the impression that there is a situation here that has not been handled. That is to be handled. I'm going somewhere. Because this is what faith is. He said, faith is what? The evidence of what? Substance of things not seen. You see, faith sees something and it's as though it does not make sense. But because faith is in God and because we have learned that God is the alpha and God is what? The omega. So if I'm in the middle and I'm seeing something but I can see God, what will happen? When I see what I'm seeing today and I see God who is eternal, what will I see? I'll see something superior to my circumstance. So I can glory in what? Tribulations. Am I glorying in tribulation because I'm crazy? I'm not crazy because what I'm seeing now, I see something superior to it. I see something that overshadows it. So when they say to Moses, ask them why are they crying? God now told Moses, let's get out of that. He said, go forward. Now you must understand this go forward. This go forward is going to the what? Red Sea. Now, the children of Israel had analyzed the situation. And in the analysis, if you read, you know, in between the lines, in the analysis, what they thought was the best option out of this place was what? Go back to Pharaoh and apologize. Go to Pharaoh and tell him, don't mind Moses. Because you know, the true Egyptians didn't want to kill them. The Egyptians wanted to what? To recapture them. So they didn't want to kill them. They wanted to recapture them. Okay? So, Red Sea in front is death, sure death. Okay, a living dog is better than a dead lion. So they were considering going back. So when Moses said, God said, go forward. That's another level. But you see what? That's what God has sent me to tell you. Go forward. You see, you have to go forward in this faith thing. It's not the path of least resistance. It's not the path of, you know, compromise. If there's anything that stunted the growth of many believers, it's compromise. God cannot walk with compromising saints. Who is going to gain the glory? Who is going to gain the glory? You know, people have asked, why do we have, they have mocked and said in prayer and all these things people do. Or giving to work God's work. If it makes people rich, why is a so-so person? Why are the richest people in the world not believers? The richest people in the world are not believers because those people are not compromising what they believe. Those who believe are compromising. Evans is not the only kidnapper. But he was one of the kidnappers that, you know, mastered his business. Praise God. He mastered it. He had all kinds of people on payroll. 
you become a big man, maybe you're running a successful pharmaceutical company or whatever. He comes and makes friends with your staff and he's spending money on them. Then when the person has drunk two bottles of big stout, so I say, my organa big man, no, he's going to China. He normally goes with cash. The man was a kidnapper that worked with Intel. He did homework. So he grew in it. And he also did charity. So he covered all hoes. Nobody suspected it. The neighbors called him nice guy. He became a master in his iniquity. Now what am I saying? If the believer settles that this is my path. I'm going to journey in God. In my finances. You know here we say we don't emphasize on tithing. But if you truly believe God is the source of your wealth. How can you make 10 million and lock it up? But you go back to the people you did business with and give them something because you're hoping that when next you come, you don't want them to be too difficult for you, isn't it? But if you recognize that God is your source, you see, that's why I said nobody should be made to pay tithe because the first account of tithe we have in the Bible, they didn't ask Abraham to pay tithe. Abraham looked at the victory he had. Abraham looked at the resources he had. He said, this is not my power. He said, I surely have a partner. He said, God is my partner. In that passage, you know what they call God? They say, blessed be God. Blessed be the God of Abraham. The possessor of the heavens and the Abraham understood that earth is owned by somebody. I remember many years ago when we lived in Lagos. When we go to this market to buy fruit. When you go, when you finish buying your basket of oranges, you pay for the land. <laughs> You know, as an accountant, no, I've exchanged money value for value. They say that's basket you bought. For the land you're standing to buy the basket. <laughs> eh? What's it called? Is that? Alada. Mm. You, you have to drop something. Even the bad guys who started um, playing, uh, some people might remember that. Who started playing uh, cards, you know. There's Alada in that one too. Then the four or nine people, they have their own IWC. You're not part of the business, so, but because you're you are in the neighborhood. <laughs> Some people from a dozen and Imo state are understanding this. Nobody compels you. You ask yourself questions. How did I get this? Who is my source? Who is my confidence? As I'm stepping out tomorrow, who will I say will back me up? It's not far. If you remove father from Godfather, you, Nigerians understand it. The only thing is that there is, there is what? The little G God. So Israel came here and God said to them, go forward. And what was ahead of them was sin. And on the surface, that was suicide. But I round up quickly. On the surface, that was suicide. But the Bible says something in Job 38. Let me address that so I don't forget. In Job 38 verse 2, God was asking a question. He was asking Job this question. This is what he said, the living Bible. He said to Job, he said, why are you using your ignorance to deny my providence? King James would say, who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? God is saying, because go forward was not an expressway. It was a sea. Thank God Moses had been trained for 40 years. He had learned to believe God. Because many would have said, God, when you're serious, tell us what to do. For now, Pharaoh... We surrender. Go forward. He said, God, which direction? He said, in the sea. He said, we read the Bible, but we must bring it down. The sea could be any difficulty. The most difficult path out of that circumstance you're in. And God is saying, move in that direction. And immediately you're feeling, God, if you want to help, help. If you don't want to help, leave me. Eh? Leave me, leave me, leave me. But we are saying here that God is the creator Praise the Lord. God put everything in place. God set everything up. How many of us have gone to buy fuel with a car and then you didn't know, maybe you brought your friend's car and you didn't know which side the gas tank was on. How do you know the side the gas tank is on? You come out from the car and look at me. Let me teach you. Pastor Mecca told me. In your fuel gauge, the makers of the vehicle put a direction. If you look at that fuel gauge, there's an arrow there. The direction the arrow points is the side where your fuel tank is on. You don't have to come out and look. <laughs> Somebody made the car. And the person knows that you might want to buy fuel. 
and won't be used to the car. So you can look in front on your dashboard and know where the tank is. God made this world. Before everything came, he set the foundation. In that job, please go back to the job. In that job, let's see what he begins to ask Job. Go down to verse 4. He says, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. When you go home, maybe I leave you for you as an assignment. When you go home, read it. When you finish reading it, close it. And ask yourself, will you now believe God? The doctors run a test and their machine says that this is happening and this is happening. is incurable. That is what their test is saying. The one who created the one who created the test. What's he saying? Praise the Lord somebody. When you go home, read that place. God began to ask Job. He said, when I founded the earth on nothing, where were you? When I measured out the span, he said, do you know the treasures of snow? Do you know where I packed them up and reserved them for the day of calamity? He said, what do I know that will make me tell God that the way he's asking me to go is not a good way? You know, spiritual things are very interesting. Some of these things that the widow understood. And the prophet said, take your last meal, cook it and give me first. And the woman didn't question it. Because how do you explain? Prophet, you're starving. Me, I'm starving. My child is starving. The meal is enough for just me and my son. How do you explain that if I give you the meal that is enough for me and my, then there will be for me. But somebody put the undergardens. Somebody designed the world we are living in. You see, that is being spiritual. The spiritual person understands that the world does not operate on the surface. Somebody designed our world. Somebody has even the hearts of men. Do you know that? The very man, somebody came to church today. The very man that the Spirit of God is pushing you. Approach him, approach him. That man has denied 17 people. He's such a mean man. If Spirit of God said, go forward to him. When you get up tomorrow, don't even pray again. Just be thanking God. When you finish blessing God, go and knock on that door. Ask him exactly what God said you should ask him. You know why? He says the hearts of kings are where? In the hands of God. He turns it however. You will find that hard man smiling at you and agreeing with everything you quest. You know why? God made him. The man has not been formed that God cannot make to do what he wants to do. God made him. Every gate that there is has foundation. Go forward was the sea. So God established for us, go home, read it. So it will help you. No matter the situation, beyond what you have known by experience to be the solution, God has solutions you never know. I'm saying that to bring our conclusion and I round up immediately. Psalm 77 verse 19. 77 verse 19. The Bible says, I can even read from 16. 16 says, the water saw you, O God. The water saw you that we are afraid. The depths also trembled. The clouds poured out water. The sky sent out a sound. Your arrows also flashed about. The voice of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Look at 19. Let's read it together, everybody. It says, your way was in the sea. Your path in the great waters. And your footsteps were not known. Let's rise on our feet. God has sent me to tell you. That he has a way. He has a way out. Go forward. Go forward. There is a way out. He has a way. The way is buried in the sea. I've seen you know, documentary that shows seabed. But I've not seen the type of seabed that is so done well. That people could travel easily on it. Even the chariots there had to make it uncomfortable. Which means it was a paved way. This morning... Somebody needs to raise his faith and say to God, I trust you. You know what you're doing. What you say to me, I will do. Go to the Lord in prayer. He has a way. 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 Sir, he has the way. He has the way. He considered all options. He said, I won't take them this way. I won't take them that way. I will take them this way. Because in the sea, before Israel became a nation, before the waters filled up the sea, God had made a way in the sea. Today, he's saying to you, wherever I lead you, I have a way. 
Wherever you find yourself, listen to my voice because I have a way. God has not turned back on any situation. God has not said to his people at any situation, any point in time, this is too difficult for me. He said, is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is it a financial situation? God has a way. God has a way. I said God has a way. He has a way. Peter and Jesus and the disciples were about to be embarrassed. For some death they were owing to the state. And Jesus said to Peter, is that what is going on? And he checked and said there's a way. He said go to the water. Put your hook in. The first fish you catch, child of God. It means that you see, for, for the fisherman to make money, he needed to catch a net of fish, isn't it? And then sell it and then make money. So even if you caught the fish, I want you to follow what God is saying to somebody. Even if you caught the fish, you needed market to sell the fish. But God could make you not catch a net of fish. Catch one hook of fish. And from the hook of fish, find gold enough. You don't need to go to the market. You don't need a buyer. You don't need a seller. And the problem will be solved. Somebody needs to say, Lord, increase my faith. Lord, I set my eyes on you. You have the solution. You are God. Hallow him. Our Lord Jesus said, when we pray, pray in this man, our father which are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. This day, I want you to pray, Lord, let your name be exalted. In my heart, in my thinking, in my analysis, in my choices, hallowed be your name. Let me not think limited. Let me not think down. Let me think up. Let me know that the God that I serve, let me know that the God of Abraham, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, the God that has sent his only son, he is a way maker. He is a way maker in the sense that we find a way. But we are understanding that before the foundations of the earth, the way is there. Lord, we are thanking you. Somebody, whatever the situation, is it a hazard? God has a way. He has a way. He has a way. Tell him, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I trust in you. There is healing for you here. Yes, because God has made the provision. There is cancer. Some naughty situation. Some difficult situation. Somebody came in in fear. The Lord is saying, you need not fear again. I have made a way. I have made a way. You are going ahead. I am already before. I have gone through that. God had passed through. He had covered the waters. He had covered the sea. And he said to them, now march in. And then he caused the wind to blow. And the rivers parted. He has a way. Somebody lift up your voice. And say to him, Lord, I will trust. I will look. I will wait. I will follow. I will never turn back. One of the things he said is this. He said, no matter what, don't turn back. Don't turn back. Faith in God will solve the problem. Faith in God. Holding on. Pushing on. Pressing on. Have you begun to believe? No regrets, sir. No regrets, man. God did not set you up. He did not bring you this far to leave you alone. No, he's not. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He's an intentional God. He's an intentional God. Thank him. Thank him. Some of us have been carrying some heavy burdens. This morning, I want you to thank him because the way is about to be revealed to somebody. The way forward, the way to move with that situation, the way to go. He's saying that to you and I. There is a way concerning our nation. I know. I know. I know. There is a way. There is a way. There is a way. The God we serve has his way. Begin to thank him. Begin to thank him. Begin to thank him. Catch your thoughts. Catch your fears. Catch your apprehension. I'm no longer afraid. Because God has a way. There is a plan. There is an intent. He is God. In Christ Jesus. It is done. It is settled. I will... I will, I will trust, I will lean, I will wait, I will put my trust in you, I will put my hope in you.
I will wait on the Lord. I will look to the Lord. I will go forward in this year 2020. I will press in into the things of God. The Apostle Paul says, I'm pressing. I'm pressing. I'm pressing in. I'm pressing in. There are many adversaries, but they're not shutting me out. I'm pressing forward. Somebody, your life, you have experienced all manner of things that you can't even explain. But you're here today and God is saying, it's all in the plan. I have a way forward in the sea. Before you got there, the way was there. Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. Pray to the Lord. Tell him, Lord, I look to you. Someone you don't know the direction, the Lord will minister to you. There's a way of perfection. There's a way of lifting. Yes, he's Jehovah. He's almighty. He knows what to do. He has always known. <laughs> he has always known. He's always known. He's always known. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-1588404. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.org. God bless you.